0: Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch.
1: Good evening and welcome to the Miracles in Recovery radio show. It is March 4th. Man, we're flying by We're already in the third month. And uh, our lovely co-host, Ellen, wasn't feeling too hot, so she had to turn around and call in from the phone. So, hi, Ellen. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there. Well, hang with us as long as you can. Fortunately, hi, we, yeah. have, fortunately we have Steve in the studio tonight as well. Hi, Steve. How are you?
2: I'm great, Ray. Thanks for asking. Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming in.
1: We My pleasure. Have, we would have had a full house with, with three people in the <laughs> studio and four dogs and two cats and... We probably could have snuck a fish or two in here, and uh, we would have been the normal zoo. But, uh, yeah, so um, in recovery news, Steve just
2: received his nine-month? Nine months, yes. Nine months. February 25th. Thank you. Thank you. February 25th was nine months. That's incredible. For For anyone to stay clean or sober for a day... Is a, is
1: a miracle, and that's Amen. ultimately where we got the name of our show from, because we are all miracles in recovery, be it one day, 30 days, 90 days. Or 30 years. Or 30 years, you know, that's or just 30 not... 30 years. Yeah, that just, it, it, you know, that just sounds so foreign to me. I mean, 30 years. I Congratulations, mean, Ray. Thank you. But it just yeah, sounds... you're
3: not even 30 years old, right?
1: <laughs> no, you know something, I got clean at 28, so... <laughs> I'm, I'm cleaner than when I got clean. Yep. You know what I mean? I've been cleaner longer than I was alive at that point, you know, and, and <clears throat> like they say, you know, you, you walk into the woods so many years and you have to walk in the woods so many years back out. I want to say that that time doubles or shall I say stagnates on the way back out because it's a, it's a journey. You know, and and the reason why I say that is, is, you know, being 30 years clean and sober is still a good day to use, you know, and as strange as that sounds, I'm an addict. I drink alcoholically, um... Why else would I think that any different? Why would I think that because I've given myself a little bit of time between my last use and today, that things would change if I ingested something into my system? um, That reaction is still going to be there. It may not be immediately physical. But it is immediately mental. And I remember telling Ellen a long time ago that I wasn't physically addicted to you know, my drug of choice, which was heroin. I wasn't physically addicted to it for quite a while. But I was immediately mentally addicted to it because it did something. It calmed my brain down. My brain used to go in 900 different directions, and it calmed me down. And I said, this is where I want to be. Little did I know that that journey would have ruined myself, my family, my community, everything that I touched. My my mother used to say I had the brown touch. Everything I tur- touched turned to you know the word. I just don't <laughs> want to use it on the air. Um, you know, and it was very true because because my addiction brought me to places I didn't want to be, you know, homeless, helpless and loveless and made me do things I didn't want to do and that was lie, cheat, steal. You know, all of the above. And uh, you know, I'm grateful today that I can get out of my own way, even just for a minute, to, to push that passing thought. And I'm not, I don't mean the passing thought of using, I mean the passing thought of negativity. Pushing the passing thought out of my way and be able to analyze where I'm at and make a good solid decision. Um, I never could do that before. I never chose to do that before. I'm sure I probably could have done it, but I chose not to. And then I allowed my addiction to give me that drive. And, uh, you know, today uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed that that we have a radio show. I was just looking at something, Ellen, um, and it's something that I wrote seven years ago. It's an intro. It says, hi, I'm Ray. I'm an addict. I have 23 years clean due to people like you who cared when I asked for help. Now, that was seven years ago. So we've been on the air for what? Nine years maybe?
3: I think.
1: Or or anyway, I you started
3: in twenty ten. I think we did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, so um I'm definitely blessed to be able to have my voice over the airwaves sharing my experience, strength, and hope for that length of time. You know, people nine years. I mean, just think back nine years how chaotic life was at the time. You know? And uh how far how far our worlds have come since then you know it's it's uh it's incredible time is incredible and you know the thing the thing i guess what i'm saying about time is is if you are out there and you are homeless helpless and loveless or you are struggling with a family member time may not be um your best friend right now, but looking back. In other words, I'm saying you know, wait for change. You can't wait for change. You have to. You have to um, force immediate change because the longer you wait, the longer that clock ticks by, and the more you'll look back saying shoulda, coulda, woulda. You know, put things in gear today, and this time next year you'll be able to look back and say, wow. Like Steve with his with his nine months. If he didn't do it the day that he was supposed to, he wouldn't be sitting here with nine a couple of days over nine months, because he might have missed that he might have missed that boat, you know. And I'm grateful today that you know I, I I look back and people say like, "Aren't you embarrassed of the damage or aren't you ashamed of where you've been?" I embrace every single day of my use, and the only reason is is because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here today. I would either be still out there. Making more of a mess of my life or I would be dead because the majority of my friends who kept using after I got clean are no longer here to share their experience, strength and hope. So, you know, I'm grateful today to be to be uh, uh, in recovery. I'm grateful to be a productive member of society. And I'm also grateful to have people that I can bounce my stuff off of, because if I was listening to myself, I'd be listening to a fool. You know, and, and that, that took a long time for me to realize that, you know, if you keep talking to an idiot, you're going to make all the same stupid mistakes. And I did that for years. And today I get out of my own way that I search for answers from other people. You know, just because I have 30 years doesn't mean that I have all the answers. I absolutely have none. You know, and every thought, every thought or action is not original. I'm mimicking someone who walked the path before me or walking the path with me today. You know, and that's what it's about. It's about one addict or alcoholic helping each other. It's about one family member stepping up and helping someone in need. It's about, you know, and one addict re- in recovery reaching out and showing some individual how good it is on the other side of the fence. So come on onto the other side of the fence and share your experience, strength, and hope. Dial 866
2: and be part of the solution. I can tell you, Ray, it's a, it's it's a journey. It's a very, very long journey. And you made a little analogy a, a few moments ago about walking into the woods. It is so easy when you think about it. You you walk into the woods. If there's something in front of you, you simply step over it and you just keep walking. You want to go farther and farther and farther into the woods. And that's what I did in my alcoholism. I just got farther and farther and farther into it. Then the day I wanted to turn around and come back out of the woods, there were so many obstacles in the way. I could no longer step over that branch. I had to try to find a way around it. And all I did was get more and more lost, and it became harder and harder. And there was always somebody behind me saying, no, why don't you come this way? Why don't you walk with me this way? And that has happened a lot lately because of stresses and things in my life and relationships. It's that disease I didn't realize it it was that damn disease standing next to me saying no you're fine right where you are you're fine in the woods here haven't you had fun being in the woods let's stay in here a little while longer we'll take the long way around to get out and that's not gonna work I had to go to a meeting the other night because the pressures have been hard and the temptations were there I've been telling myself for the last couple of months Or my disease, I should say, has been telling me, and I've heard other alcoholics and addicts say it before, those in recovery, for much longer than myself, say that that disease is never going to leave you alone. You have to leave the alcohol alone, but the disease is never going to leave you alone. That disease was standing there saying, you got this beat, man. You don't need to go to those meetings anymore. You don't need to share your experience, strength, and hope with anybody else anymore. You don't need to listen to those people in those rooms anymore. You've got this beat. And then the next thing you know, I'm passing by a tavern. And that disease is saying, yeah, you remember going in there. We can go in there. We can stop. We don't have to have a drink. But even if you did, you know, you might only have one. You know, you can have one now. You're over this. You don't have to have 20 anymore. You can just have that one, and we can go on down the road. Well, I know where that road is. That road is the road to death. Because if I was to stop in there and have that one, the next day it was going to be two or 20. And the day after that, it was going to be 20 more or 40. And then I'm going to run into another tree somewhere trying to get out of those woods. And that would be the end of the road. The end of the road is that six foot hole. That's what a true alcoholic has to realize or a true addict has to realize. There is no going back. We cannot go back. And by the grace of God, we have got the strength to do it. If we can stay in rooms, if we can share with our friends, if we can ask for the right kind of help. How, Ellen? Well, I, I was going to ask, is it always a struggle?
3: I mean, does, this, it, the, does the struggle become less?
2: It had become less um, when I was doing what I needed to do. What You know, in the recovery that I'm going through and when I go through as an alcohol as, as an alcoholic there's a program out there for us the AA you know and and it's been working for people for over 84 years and who am I to say that I don't need that anymore I've I've had that for 8 months or so 7 or 8 months I don't need to do that I've got I've got enough knowledge about that when I've sat in those rooms and heard those people in there who go to those rooms every day and have been sober for 10, 15, 25 years, they still go to those rooms every day because that is what it takes. It's a fellowship of people who have been there and are there to help those who want to get out. It is a struggle every stinking day. It is a struggle, whether it is a a conscious struggle or unconscious it is a struggle, and the minute I tell myself that I'm okay, the minute that disease is going to grab me by my butt and pull me right back in.
3: Well, it's kind of funny. When we were talking to Jennifer last week, it, it kind of brought me back. You know, when we were, we were talking specifically about families and the effect on the family, and it kind of brought me back, and, you know, I started feeling those feelings again, and I haven't felt them in a while because, you know, I haven't actually been in that situation. And it just reminded right. me, you know, that we do have to be mindful every single day and grateful.
1: Oh yeah, We're and it's also for, for sobriety, right? And also, it's constant vigilance. You know what I mean on 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 your side of the fence and also on ours, in the sense of, you know, um, as soon as I let my guard down in early recovery. I was running out the door. I, I, I don't really have a guard today. I have more of an awareness because it's not one of those deals where it's constantly in the back of my head. I mean, you know, like like um being human and a recovering addict alcoholic, uh, you, you have you have two swords behind you. Fortunately enough, you know, as time goes on, the the um, obsessive obsession for um, medicating feelings and and trying to um, disassociate cut-and- run type stuff goes away because there there isn't the need for that justification anymore and the longer you stay around and the longer you realize who you are the better better chance you have at dealing with those situations. While those situations are going on, I was learning, I was relearning my life skills that were taught to me when I was a child from my parents. Fortunately enough, when I started using, I had morals. Those morals were locked in a closet. So ultimately, a few months after I got clean, that door miraculously opened, and there they were. I, didn't, I just had to hone that. I didn't have to find them all over again. Some people I know uh, grew up, and they didn't even have a second chance. And when they got clean, they struggled greatly because they didn't know how to act. I knew what I was doing was wrong. And when I got clean and started getting clear headed, I could address that when some individuals get clean and they don't know that they're doing wrong. It's a tougher road to to hoe, you know, and, and I'm grateful today to my parents, to my family, to my community, to my neighborhood, all the way down to my neighbors who taught me how to act as a child. You know, they 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 brought it. They brought Absolutely, you know, told on me when a window was broken or when things were wrong that I did to let me know the difference between right and wrong. If I grew up not knowing the difference between right and wrong, I probably wouldn't be here today. And I definitely probably wouldn't have the same attitude. You know, I'm, I'm expressing gratitude in this first uh, uh, segment because I think, you know, a, a, a truly grateful addict will never use You know, um, uh, that was taught to me a long time ago. And if you express gratitude on a daily basis, you're you're that much more ahead of the game. You're that much more ahead of the devil. You're that much more ahead of the monster, you know. So I think if if we express gratitude as many times as we can during the day, we have a better shot of knowing what the difference between right and wrong is, knowing when, like Steve was saying... um, when we're lying to ourselves saying, I don't need them, I don't need this, I'm good, I've got this much time, I've got that much time, I'm good to go. um, That's nothing other than our insecurities telling us or or our subconscious, like our friend David says, uh, telling us that we're doing something that's uncomfortable. And, And ultimately, the longer we embrace that, I don't need to, the closer we are to doing what we shouldn't be doing we're about ready to go to break so I don't want to I don't want to start another conversation so ultimately I'll just I'll just hold on to the mic for another few seconds here and uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> go figure yeah but you know something that's why I'm the host. <laughs> You know, so if you if you if you feel like sharing any of your experience, strength, and hope, or if you just want to call in, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. Share your experience, strength, and hope. I mean, we have people listening around the world. We get we every week a uh, couple hours before the show. I get a printout of where people listen from, and you'd be amazed that some of the. Different, not necessarily countries, but the different time zones. There's people listening to us live right now at 3 o'clock in the morning in Japan. Like, what? But you know something? We need to express gratitude that there's people out there and that our message is meaning something. So dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C-diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent
0: Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
4: Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that'll help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss mondays at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on the voice america health and wellness channel
3: step into a healthier you voice america health and wellness
0: are listening to Miracles in Recovery to reach the program today please call in to one 472 5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to Ray at miraclesinrecovery.org now back to this week's show
1: hey before the break we were talking about um, gratitude you know and um, I'm sure that we could go on the whole hour talking about gratitude and speaking about how grateful we are for what we have. Um, you know, one of one of the just as important things is is I you know, I said in the first segment that if I'm speaking to myself or if I'm relying on myself for answers, I'm speaking to a fool. And you know one of the major, Hurdles that I jumped over was, you know, on the road back out of the woods was asking for someone to be my sponsor, asking for someone to help me on this journey. Um, And of course, being a you know, strike two, you know, uh, a guy (laughs) and a marine, it was. It felt to me like like asking somebody to be my Valentine. So for the for you know, the first month or so I just white knuckled it and, you know, I, I, I knew who I wanted to ask, but I just couldn't bring myself be that street, uh, smart person asking someone who in my eyes was weak four years before and went into the went into the program. Well, so so of course I, you know, tucked my tail between my legs and asked the individual to be my sponsor. Today he still is. Um Thirty-something years later, because I didn't stay clean, you know, right away, uh, and he didn't give up on me, and that's that's what I'm getting at, you know, when you ask an individual to help you on this journey, to hold your hand on this journey, or if you're an individual that is asked, there's no um application. You know, there's no hiring and firing. I hear, I hear a lot of that where, you know, my sponsor fired me. Well, I didn't know you were paying him, you know, or I didn't know he was paying you or, or you filled out an application. You know, it's, it's one individual helping another. And if you get to a point in the road where, you know, it forks and, and you need to go one way and the other individual needs to go the other, why leave on a negative tone? You know, you can help an individual until you can't anymore. And, you know, there have been people that I've met along the way that uh, have asked me to, you know, assist them with with their journey. And I've never said no because no was not told to me. Welcoming was taught to me. You know when when I first got clean, and uh, you know you all know the story. or Ellen knows the story about you know my sponsor giving me all these positions up and through the meetings. One of them was being a greeter, and I was like, Well, greeter? Well, what do I do there? Well, you hug people and say welcome when they come in the door." I said, "Absolutely not. Oh, Why not? I hate people." Okay, well guess what? <laughs> You're the guess what? You're the greeter, and ultimately, slowly but surely, it got me got me out of myself. And um, more available to hug an individual or or let someone in. So if I'm willing to be that vulnerable at that moment, why can't I do the same thing when someone asks me for help? So, you know, if somebody asks me to carry a... uh, help carry their garbage out for them, I'm not going to tell them no. So I do it. So if somebody asks me to assist them on their journey, who am I to say no? I mean, I don't have God in my name. I don't have, you know, I am better than you in my name. And I do see that a lot. And, you know, we need to we need to look and recheck our value point of where we are, you know. And this is – I'm speaking to the people who um, – can understand what it is that I'm saying, that we need to be available for the people that are coming in the door so that they don't get, in their mind, second-guessed because they're going to second-guess what they're doing anyway. If we are reassuring them when they come in, if we are giving them a smile and a wave across the room, or if we're embracing them and saying, welcome, they're going to come in. you know. And, and, and I, I did say a grateful addict will never use... But I didn't say a welcome addict will never leave, and that is very true. I saved that for this, just for this piece, and that's the way that that goes. A, a grateful al- alcoholic or addict will never use because if you're if you're expressing gratitude and embracing gratitude, that evil negative will never come back again, unless you choose it to, unless you drop your gratitude. But a welcome. Addict or alcoholic, and what it is that we're doing, will never leave either because they will always feel welcome. They'll know where they can come and share their uh, struggle. So just keep that just keep that in mind. I mean, you know, I I I uh, I see it quite often, and God forbid if I ever did that, I would hope that I get the, you know. Um, Mental slap in the back of the head to be able to correct myself and make the situation um, right, and and you know I'm just I'm just grateful and welcome I guess today.
2: Good. That's I, that is absolutely correct. I have never. Had anyone? I know it is. I tell, tell me. Well, you know, I knew that was coming. I just, <laughs> I, I walked right into that one. <laughs> I have, I have never had anyone tell me that I have met in my recovery that they would not help me. I have had everyone ask me if there is anything they can do to help me, no matter what, what the problem was, when it was. There was always somebody there who said, why didn't you call me? Or why don't you call me and let me help you? Or why didn't you call your sponsor or have you called your sponsor and talked to them about this? And my answer is, I didn't want to bother you. No, I didn't call my sponsor. Or no, I didn't, I didn't really need to call you then. I'm over it now. Well, the next thing, yeah, you're, I'm over it now. The next time, I might not be over it. I might not get over it. The next time may be the last time. And that last time will be my last time because it'll kill me, plain and simple. The thing about being a, a man and a Marine is uh-huh. – or, or Or anything, uh-huh. um, it's personal pride. It's It is not just those contributing factors. There's something that we all possess – Called shame. We all have some sort of shame within ourselves, and to for some, I can tell you, I'm just going to tell you in my circumstance, I'm I feel ashamed to to have to ask somebody for help for something that I feel I should be able to control my own damn self. I'm ashamed at that fact. I'm ashamed that I have the weakness and the um, to have become susceptible to this rotten disease called alcoholism, I'm, I'm ashamed of it. I, the fact is, I have it. The shame has to be over in order for me to get help. I have to admit that I have this disease, and I'm not secretive about it. Almost everyone who knows me knows that I'm an alcoholic, and that I've gone to treatment, and I'm going through recovery. I'm not ashamed of that fact anymore. So why should I be ashamed to ask for help when I get to a rough patch in my life? That's the question that I haven't answered yet.
3: Well, I think a lot of it has to do with pride. I mean
2: as humans,
3: it is. we should be it's, prideful. Yeah. You know, I should be able yeah, to on you, my you, own, but it's overwhelming.
1: You can, but you need to stick your pride in your ear and, and still go in and uh listen exactly. to what listen yeah. And and You will never be successful as long as you hang on to your ego and your pride, because those are the two things that will bring you right outside the door. Those are the two things that will that will be your downfall. You know, a lot of times I uh, was prideful and I didn't allow my ego. Like, you know, when I when I when I told them, I'm not going to hug people. That wasn't me. (laughs) Right? That wasn't me. That was my ego. That was my pride. I'm not I'm not hugging these gross people. You know, because what did I think? I was better than somebody at thirty-five All days right. clean. All right. You know? But I mean, you know, that's that those are the things we go through. And 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 the longer you stay around or the 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 more awareness you get, you will be able to differentiate between what's pride, what's ego, and what's bullshit. You know? And the majority of the time it's the third you know what i mean when we're when we're in our own way and we're driving the bus again it's because we're in that third factor
2: see i'm so proud of the fact that i have this in the bag you know i don't need anybody's help i go down to my meeting friday night at my first home group where i started going to treatment and i run into one of my old buddies and you know, he's, man, we were thinking about you, we've we missed you, you haven't been here lately. Yeah, I know, I haven't been here, I've been bit really busy and everything, and the next thing you know, I'm sitting there crying, and he's holding me, and I'm crying like a baby in his arms. I was too proud to call and ask for help when it was a time of weakness, although I, I have to admit, I did not go back out, I did not have a drink. But I was too proud to call, but I'm not too proud to sit there and cry to this other grown man who is about twenty years younger than I am yet he's still a grown man, and I'm crying like a baby while he's holding me because I need more help you know where's the pride in that That's right where it belongs it's right in a, it's right in a
1: meeting and that, and 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 it's getting it's getting what it needs it's getting told that uh it's not in charge you know what i mean and then and embrace moments like that because there may be times when you're out there all on on your own and you need to cry and you're in the middle of walmart and you can't control it what do you do what do you do you 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 stick your pride in in, you go running uh you know the wherever and you do what you have to do. And, and that's how you get through things. And that's how, you know, we can't always rely on someone else to get us through what we're going through at the moment. So we need to prepare by using situations like that where you're crying in front of an individual or you're sharing something. I mean, I'm not saying grab the crazy lady at the registry or Walmart and say, you know, I'm just not feeling right. But there are going to be situations in our growth process that um, mandates we do this in front of the public, and you know, what do we do in situations like that? Do we do we suck it up and and um, hide behind it? No, we can't because because we're not true to ourselves at that moment. We deal with it and we move forward.
2: That's the hardest part. Is 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 dealing with it sometimes again? The pride, as as Ellen put it, it, it it's plain and simple. It's it's pride, and I I don't know, I'm almost at a lack uh, lack for words because the truth is the longer I stayed in those rooms, the more I went to those rooms, the more I relied on the advice of people who had been there, who are recovering from this disease. The longer I listened to them, the better I got. The easier it became. Day after day after day, it became easier and easier. The moment I stopped is when... It started getting difficult again because you were listening to a fool. Because I was listening to a fool. <laughs> I was listening to that fool say, "You don't need to go sit around those people for another hour. You know, you need to go and and clean the bike, or you need to go and cut the grass, or something. That grass is going to still need cut the next day. The bike is going to still be dirty when I walk out there after the meeting. But I am going to feel better about myself, and I am going to have this disease under control. Then I can wash the bike, or then I can cut the grass." But the longer I spend on those little things not dealing with this disease on a day-to-day basis, the harder and harder it becomes for me to deal with it. Just like raking the leaves. If you rake them when they start to fall, they're easy to rake. You can get them all in a nice little pile, put them all in a bag, and it's done. But if you wait until the end of the season and you have two feet of leaves in your yard, it becomes a lot harder to clean that up.
3: I think one of the hardest things for anybody is, you know, admitting that you can't handle this on your own. And I can remember whining to my sponsor about something and, you know, going on and on and on. And she finally said, Ellen, I'm getting as much out of this as you are. You don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, I think it's a two-way thing. You know, it's kind of symbiotic. You need help. You're getting help. And the people that are helping you feel good about it and maybe they're learning something too or maybe they're talking through things that they hadn't really thought about for a while
1: yeah and that's what you know like what what you were uh saying about you know like it's a it's a two-way street many of the people who um asked me my opinion my advice or anything along the way like i said i I've, I've never ha- i never i don't have an original thought or an original message down here i am i am repeating what was taught to me i may not do it in the same way that the individual that you know taught me does it but it's it's about one individual helping another one individual caring for another individual and i'm i used to get, always get uh, gratitude, one, that somebody thought enough of me to ask me what my opinion was, and two, um, because I was feeling something being able to contribute, and also, it was a remember when for me for a lot of the things that I was being asked at that I walked through. You know, because also, if not, if I hadn't walked through that yet, I've never been married. People, people, guys come up to me that are married saying I'm struggling with this with my wife or whatever. I don't have the experience of being married. But if I ultimately do and that happens, guess what? I've already been able to engage it so that ultimately, if it does happen to me, I can at least share that some individual has already done this. Gone, you know, walk this road. We don't like, like you always say, we're all this, we're all the same monster at the end. So we all walk the same path. We all walk that same line into the woods. The obstacles are a little bit different. But the long as we keep coming back out, we're all going to step over that same obstacle may not be at the same time but we are all going to step over that same obstacle and you know without knowing that and without having that awareness when we are in our minds and we're we're beating ourselves up for the simple things that we do to ourselves and our loved ones on a daily basis we will never be able to get out of our own way because what we are feeling and what we are dealing with is not original. We're addicts, we're alcoholics, we make the same mistakes, we do the same things. And you know, I'm grateful today that it took me a long time to to have that awareness, but I'm grateful today that I do have that awareness and when I'm stumbling through something, I know exactly what to do. Go into my Rolodex and remember about my experience, strength, and hope. Call the individuals that I know that will be there for me. And also, make sure that I try to stay in a positive mindset. Because if I don't, like I said, I'm listening to a fool. So, call in and share your experience, strength, and hope at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment.
3: If you stop to think seriously about hypnosis, hypnosis can set you on your way to better health, can free you from anxiety, phobias, and so much more. Join host Inez Simpson for hypnosis everywhere. Inez Simpson and the Simpson Protocol. This show is for anyone from the experienced hypnotist practitioner to the merely curious. Inez Simpson offers tools and insights from the whole world of hypnosis with guests and open discussions. Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol, airs live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent
5: Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We got the pie.
1: And we're back. If you or your organization would like to be a featured guest on the show, please send an email to Ray at miraclesandrecovery.org. That's Ray at miraclesandrecovery.org. We will send you an information packet on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show so we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. If you can stay on for a segment, that's cool. If you can stay on for two or three or whatever, we don't have any upcoming guests Uh, Booked. I know that we need to reach back out to Jennifer, who was our guest last week, because we really weren't finished speaking with her. But our our calendar is open. So just send me an email at Ray at org, And we will give you the hour to share your experience, strength, and hope with the recovery community. Or if you have any other... Anything else that you would like to talk about? I mean, we're not a political show, we're not a uh, anything like that. But you know, if you have a message that you want to share, and you think it's worthwhile for our audience, by all means, we're willing to listen. So send a message, send a uh, an email to Ray at miraclesandrecovery.org. So this is the last segment, and um, I, we we were talk We've been talking a lot about the addicts side of this whole thing. So maybe we might give a couple of minutes to Ellen and share um, like the family side of what it is that we've been sharing about. Like, and I know we were talking about, you know, how we deal with things and maybe you might want to share with the families out there who are struggling with addicts who are still using a couple of the tools that you've gotten along the way.
3: Well, the hardest thing really is, <laughs> Admitting, number one, that that you got an addict that's, you know, a family member. For me, it was a child, you know, and and you've known this person all their lives. And suddenly, well, it's not even sudden, really. Gradually, they become somebody that you don't know. And they do things that you can't believe, like steal from you or steal from somebody else and get caught. And the shame that is associated with that, and especially as a parent, you know, you must have done something wrong, um, you know, otherwise your child would be okay. You can't really talk to anybody about it. Who's going to understand? So, you know, the, there's a tendency to isolate. And for me, you know, there was a catalyst, and arrest, that, that made me, you know, go to a 12-step group and I stayed. Uh, it took me even longer to get a sponsor. It took about a year because I was afraid to ask anybody. And, uh, you know, another catalyst, you know, I called her in the middle of the night and said, would you be my sponsor? And she started laughing and said, of course. I think she'd been kind of waiting on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hardest thing, I think, is admitting it. And the second thing is admitting that you need help. And then the third thing is doing what they say or listening to what they say and believing it. Because for a long time I heard the stories and I didn't believe that would ever happen to my family and all of it did and more. Um, and, it, and it's just it's sometimes very difficult to to believe that you are a part of this. And you know they tell you don't enable. Well, I'm insulted because <laughs> this is my child. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm a mother. Um, you know, they, they tell you, back away, mind your own business. What do you mean? I've got to fix this because what you think you can do is control it and fix it, and you can't. And it took me years to get to the point where I realized I cannot, and the best thing that I can do is detach with love. And really, for me, what that meant was back off and don't help. You know, I can still be there. I can still love, but I, I'm... I'm removed, and it's safer for me, and it's safer for her. Because together, you know, I might tend to allow things that I shouldn't or allow boundaries, my boundaries, to be crossed that I shouldn't. But it was a learning process. I kind of had to unlearn a lot of the mommy stuff that i have been taught. You know, this is what moms are supposed to do. Right. And, you know, get past the shame and get past, you know, people judging me and you know just standing up and owning it and saying hey you know it's a disease i didn't cause it i can't control it and i can't cure it
1: and when they tell me that i didn't believe it but they're right <laughs> they yeah and right. slowly but surely that made that that helped you get uh through things and get you better you know let me ask you a question you when you when uh when you first started, you said, "And all of a sudden, and then you said, "Well, no, gradually, you saw things happen." Now, gradually, she was getting worse as, as time was going on, and I was getting worse as time was going on. but I don't necessarily know if my family embraced that until I got to a critical madness point, and then it right, was because
3: you don't really know that it's happening.
1: right. you, you know I, d- do you not want to know? Or like I I don't know because I've never been on
3: I did not think it was possible. I just thought, you know, oh it's teenage crap and she'll outgrow
1: it. (laughs) Right. You know, so so I guess I guess ultimately. I guess ultimately it's awareness of of your surroundings, you know, and and I'm not not saying that every parent out there needs to um, micromanage or macromanage their children, but just have an awareness. You know, I I think that today there is that much greater of an awareness as to when um, you were going through it and also when my family was going through it that... um, you know, today I think there are more critical signs like immediately. I think because people, you know, and, and I don't necessarily, want, you know, I, I mean, I think people want Everybody to know that they're using today. That wasn't something that I wanted to do. I mean, it was, I, I didn't think that I was cool because I was shooting dope. It just, it just ended up that way. And, and I, and it became, you know, a nightmare. And I, and I hear people today, like even talking in stores and stuff, and it's just like right out in the open. So just yeah, yeah, stay, it's, stay it's, aware. Cool. Yeah. I mean, and it's well, cool I, to go I to detox.
3: I had I thought I knew everything because I grew up in the 70s and I was one of the cool kids and I survived it. You know, I just figured I would know, but there there was stuff out there and there's much more of an awareness now, you know, with the opioid crisis. But it was just beginning then, and I had no clue, yeah. no clue, that that could possibly happen. Yeah, and and, so, and you know, sadly, you it, could, you know, it could have knocked me down when I found out. I did not
1: know. Right. So, so ultimately, you know, like I said, you know, just just stay aware. I mean, you see all of these things on social media about all the little gutches for kids. You know, you don't let your children go out and ride their bicycle at nine o'clock at night. Why is that? Because you love them. So pay attention to what they're doing. And it doesn't mean not lock them down and everything like that. I'm just saying, just have a a good healthy awareness because outside those doors is, is madness waiting to happen and addiction is running rampant and it'll swallow your child, your family up in a minute without even, you know, you're looking back and going, oh man, how did I get here? You know, and if but I stop doing what I'm, I
3: missed this,
1: yeah, Exactly. So why did I just, make assumptions? Yeah, because I made a lot of yeah. assumptions, and they were all wrong. Yeah. Just keep a good, healthy awareness, I guess, is what I'm saying.
3: And communication too, I think.
1: Oh, well, very need much to so.
3: Know that they can come to you and say, "I've got a problem." Not, you know, not that you can really fix it, but you know, right. you might be able to get the ball rolling. You know, sometimes somebody <laughs> has to come to you and say, "I need help."
1: Yeah, I remember that day that I was sitting at the table, and and my mother came into the to the living room or into the kitchen actually, and she said, um, she like kind of set out of the side of her face like, is there something wrong? And I said, uh, I, I kind of knew where she was going, and I said, yeah, there's something drastically wrong. And she said, what's wrong? I said. I'm a heroin addict, and it kind of knocked her on her, knocked yeah, her on I could yeah. see it, like it, her, her eyes rolled around in her head, and I said, well, you asked, you know, and um, she said, you know, all of this time I knew something was going on, but she didn't have the fortitude to ask, and maybe if she did months, years prior, I wouldn't have had to get to where I got, I mean, I know I still would have, because yeah, I used yeah, that would've. as a weapon, yeah. I used it as a weapon for a long time but um you know j- just have a good healthy awareness we only have about three minutes left of the show so um you know it, it today may be actually two minutes left <laughs> so yeah. um it just the the just came in so you know i I just want to express a little gratitude again because a grateful addict will never use and um I just want To share with people that I'm glad that they listen to the show and we have a good reoccurring audience, not only in the United States, but in Ireland. Ireland's our second most listened to country. And, you know, they're five hours ahead of us. So I'm grateful for all my Irish brothers and sisters out there. And I want to wish everybody a uh, happy St. Patrick's Month. And we have a minute left, so Steve, express 30 seconds of gratitude so Ellen can close the show.
2: Well, I'm certainly grateful for the opportunity to be here. Um, As it was said earlier, the more opportunity I have to share my experience and somehow, sometimes not as much strength, but my undying hope that I will continue to recover uh, from this disease is amazing, and I thank you, Ray. Thank you, Steve, for being here, Ellen. Well,
3: congratulations to both of you guys on your milestones. And with Miracles in Recovery, hope is in your corner.
1: That it is. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Stay blessed.
0: Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery.